0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: They don't yet have a home in the great computing cloud as envisioned by the Defense Department, but projects slated for the long-delayed JEDI project are moving ahead all the same. What is not moving along is payments from DOD to contractors for COVID-related expenses, not until Congress appropriates more money. Just some of the developments in this week's DOD Reporter's Notebook. Joining me with more, Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Scott Massioni. And Jared, let's start with you. It looks as if the Pentagon is simply presuming that Jedi is going to happen, even though at the moment it's tied up for Lord knows how long.
2: Yeah, and we've we've had a lot of gloom and doom discussions over the past couple of years about how, how you know, seriously this contract has been delayed by all the litigation and all the investigations. But the glimmer of good news that we got from Dana Deasy, DOD's CIO, is that even though the contract has been on hold and will have been on hold by well over two years by the time this is all said and done. There's been a lot of work going on in the background, so he has talked in the past about 14 different Pathfinder projects that they wanted to onboard to Jedi in the early days before we knew that this was going to be subject to another lawsuit. Many of those have gone on, he says, um, but they've just gone to different cloud environments at least for the time being. Um, Notably, the Air Force's Cloud One and Platform One, which as we've talked about before, has also been the new destination at least temporarily for the DOD Joint Artificial Intelligence Center's work. So there are other there are other clouds out there that are capable of covering a lot of DoD's workloads. Deasy says the biggest thing to worry about is that the, the, the big gap that DoD still has is its ability to have a cloud that can reach all the way to the tactical edge in an effective way and in a universal way, a joint way across the military services. That's what he's really focused on and what Jedi will eventually provide in the long run. And I think the other main thing that's been going on is a lot of the preparatory work that's not directly related to the Jedi contract because it's not not on the jedi contract and some of the things that he mentioned there is you know the the integration tools the migration tools uh directories that have to be created to to get people moved into jedi eventually and he says that's all stuff that that has been going on and and can continue to go on up up until even in the absence of a of a jedi contract that's in a period of performance because it's already owned by dod and, and doesn't doesn't rely on jedi per se
1: Yeah, I guess these same projects could slide into another cloud if they had to.
2: And a lot of them have. We've seen some frankly enormous cloud migrations already even in the absence of jedi the one that comes to mind immediately is navy erp which is the biggest cloud migration in dod history and and one of the biggest erp migrations in 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 the commercial sector's history also and they just they just used existing contracts to buy essentially aws services similar thing for the navy's big business system um gfebs and and i think one of the lessons there is that that might tell you that that Amazon Web Services has very strong incentives to continue fighting JEDI in court because even if they think they're going to ultimately lose, the longer they can prolong this process, the more they're going to continue getting those kinds of off JEDI um, awards and task orders.
1: And Scott, turning to you on OTA, the Government Accountability Office is nosing around OTAs, other transaction authorities. Probably that attention is not desired.
0: Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, It's been a rough week for Army Futures Command. They uh, had this come out and then also a little bit of an interesting real estate issue with the generals in charge of the command as well, having some expensive mansions that they've been living in. So uh, what the Government Accountability Office has said is that uh, Army's Futures Command really isn't taking any lessons learned out of these OTAs and they're not sharing any of the things that they've learned from every contract. Now, the point of these OTAs is to bring in non-traditional companies, traditional companies that wouldn't usually be working with the defense department. So the easier you can make it for them, the better it will be since they're probably not too excited about working with a large bureaucratic system. So one might think that they would share easier ways to hang out with these companies and make contracts easier to get on. Uh, They haven't been doing that. And GAO says, well, this is the exact opposite of what someone like Silicon Valley would be doing and telling you to do as a best practice. Obviously, Army Futures Command is someone that is trying to model themselves off of that uh, Silicon Valley type mindset. So uh, some work for them to do in figuring out how to use these OTAs, especially considering they're a special contract that are outside of the regulations of the FAR, and they want to be using them the correct way in order to make the most impact as they can.
1: That's key because a lot of agencies are using OTAs outside of DOD, and in some ways it's a privilege because it takes away so much of the FAR or DFAR bureaucracy. So they don't want to kill the privilege, I guess.
0: It really is. And and another part of it is that this privilege comes with a lot of responsibility. These companies and the Defense Department are really overseeing themselves. There's not as much oversight when you're not following the regulations. And also because there's just not as much transparency within these sort of pseudo contracts. So, um, you know, if you're not doing it correctly, Congress is going to slap your wrist and take away uh, those uh, fun toys that you have.
1: And at the other end of the spectrum, the Future Defense Task Force, which might take advantage of some of what is learned through OTA and prototype spending, they are getting praise for some of their Manhattan Project types of deals they're looking at.
0: They are. And, and one of the big things about this report is that they really want DOD to double down even farther on artificial intelligence. DOD is already spending nearly a billion dollars on AI and planning on amping that up even more when it comes to research and development so what people from the heritage foundation all the way to the center for strategic and international studies and also the national industrial defense associations uh, have all been saying that this is a great uh, report that there's a lot of good things there's a lot of old issues that they've talked about new issues they've talked about and creative ones as well Uh, now you know there's some debate around some of the recommendations though Uh, for example they say, which people have been saying for years, is that they need to divest from legacy systems. DOD needs to divest from these legacy systems. But what does that mean? Does that mean divesting from the F-35, which we've spent more than a trillion dollars over you know 20 some odd years on? Or does it mean divesting from something like the A-10, which also the military has tried to do, but has had a lot of trouble getting Congress to go along with?
1: It's cheap, but it works, I guess, is what they're right. saying about it. All right and down at the ground level Jared the contractors looking for payment reimbursement of covid related expenses they're going to have to wait a little bit while longer aren't they
2: Yeah, and we don't know how long. And and just to recap and refresh people's memories here, what we're talking about here is Section 3610 of the CARES Act, where Congress really was signaling to industry that even, even if you have members of the workforce who cannot work because, for example, they work in classified environments and the government has closed down those office spaces, we want you to keep those people on the payroll because we want to have, quote, a ready workforce whenever the pandemic is over. Seven months later, none of those payments have been made because DOD says they, they cannot make them unless Congress appropriates money specific to those reimbursements. The CARES Act didn't appropriate any new money for this purpose. It just authorized the payments. There's been a fair degree of back and forth as to whether DOD can find that money, which they estimate at north worth of $10 billion within their existing budget to just go ahead and make the payments. But they have really stuck to their guns here. And as late as last week, we're continuing to say that they, they cannot and have not made the payments yet because there's been no specific appropriation. It's somewhat understandable in some ways because doing that, uh, you know, sends a signal to Congress and to the public that, hey, maybe we are actually getting appropriated more money than we actually need. And that's not a signal they want to send. But from the company's perspective, I would imagine that they would have liked to have had these payments several months ago.
1: It's almost a good argument for putting back the appropriations and authorization processes back together again.
2: Possibly yes, and uh, and just to mention another reason why there there may be money to to handle these things in in DoD's existing budget. I, I just pulled the numbers this morning. DOD carried forward nine point five billion dollars in unobligated balances, money it didn't obligate in fiscal year nineteen just last year. We don't have the numbers for fiscal year 2020 yet, but the money is around in, in various pockets if they had, and I'm not smart enough to tell you whether they have the enough programming authority to be able to move the money around where it needs to go to make those payments. But but the money certainly exists in pockets around the DoD budget in the context of a $700 billion plus appropriation.
1: Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Scott Massioni, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Check out their DOD Reporter's Notebook, now online at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just 3 dollars per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just 3 dollars per month. Visit live slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash one to learn more and start your free trial.